The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Thank you. Arigato. The Your Own Pay Podcast Network. Inspiring, motivating, and educating entrepreneurs around the world. It's Demasi and Michael, just talking tech. Hi, listeners. I'm one of the new voices for Windows 11. Welcome to the Damache and Michael, just talking tech show. So I got to ask you now that we're into it. How did she pronounce your name? Is that is that is that typical of what you hear from a screen reader? Actually, it was. Uh, so usually I get Damash. Uh, yeah, she said Damashe. Yeah. So she was closer. Right, right. Better than better than nothing. That is one of the new narrator voices that was announced uh, yesterday, as of the time of recording. Uh, the. Uh, uh, 27th of January. <laughs> I, for those listeners who are screen reader users, I pressed insert F12, F12 twice quickly, thinking it would give me today's date. Well, it just kept giving me the time, and then I had to stop and, and wait a second to actually listen because it reads the time and then the day. And I kind of like these voices. Like, it's it's a pleasant voice, even sped up. I'm going to go ahead and uh, see if I can get this. And as Demasi now we're talking about it, you know, uh, it's always interesting to do live demos when you're using beta software. So what I'm going to try to do is turn up the speed of this voice while I'm talking. It's interesting to do live demos even though you're not messing with betas. (laughs) It's like, oh, all of a sudden my computer has froze up when it has never frozen up before when I was doing this. Yeah, (laughs) Right, right, yeah. Yeah, It's worked every other time for me. I promise you this software is great. But one of the problems that I was concerned about with voices is – I am not a slow speed reader. Uh, that's mm-hmm. th- that I, th- I think I said that properly, but I like to speed my voices up. What you guys heard at the intro of this episode was the Aria voice at, and that's one of the names of the new voices at 10%. Now I've sped Aria up to 20%, which is double the volume. And I'm going to go ahead and pause Uh, I'm sorry, mute my microphone and play the same recording at the sped up voice. And I want to get Demasi's opinion on this. And he has not heard this before, I don't think. Have you, Demasi? You haven't heard the new voices, right? Nope. Okay, so we'll bring her back in and read that same intro. Hi, listeners. I'm one of the new voices for Windows 11. Welcome to the Demasi and Michael. Just talking tech show. So it it is a lot faster. A a lot faster. I'm going to... A lot faster. Exit narrator and switch back over to Jaws. But honestly, what I thought would happen is that the quality would go down. And I feel like the quality did not really go down when you sped that up. Uh, and, and I've seen that with a lot of these, and I'm using air quotes, high quality voices. So super excited to see where Microsoft is going with the new technology that's available. And I will link to the... Announcement of the new voices in the show notes at yourownpay.com forward slash DM87. You know, just as a side note, there is a very, very weird thing going on with browsers. Uh, Well, Chrome in specific. I don't think this applies to Firefox yet. But Chrome apparently will allow you to type in backslashes and it will still take you where you want to go. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Huh. 
That is interesting because I the other day. Whoa, that is creepy. He's not too lying. many slashes. You you can do it. I just went to yourownpan.com backslash dm eighty six, and, and it auto filled. Got it. you there, huh? Yeah, yeah. That is weird. That's not always been the way, has it? I don't know how long they've been doing it. Apparently, they have been doing supporting that for a while in Chrome. Uh, I'm going to go over here and check Safari now because I didn't check. But I, th- I know Chrome is doing it, or I yeah. knew Chrome was doing it. Uh, I don't know how long they've been doing it. This is not within the uh, HTTP, uh, the RFC for uh, URLs. It, it, it's not a part of that. Google, once again, is trying to do something to be helpful. Uh, and I, I kind of understand why they're doing it, because people often will ask me when I tell them a URL, uh, is that a forward slash or a backslash? Or they don't know which one is which, right? You say go to, you know, com slash DM86, and they don't know which slash is which one, right? Because they're looking at it and they don't know which one is the backslash and which one is not. And they're not touch typist, so therefore they don't have that memory to associate with it. So they will type a backslash. Uh, and so that is why Google is doing this. But this is not a part of RFC uh, or, or, or the spec for URL structures. Uh, however, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing it. I don't like it. Uh, and the reason it came out is because of a bug that I have sort of kind of forgotten about. <laughs> uh, but it's something that came out as people started spelunking deeper into different uh, code bases after the, the whole uh, log4j and log4shell vulnerability, uh, which affected log4j. Started looking at other things and how things were processing URLs when you passed them in and if it would respect this or respect that. And that's how that was discovered, that there's some software out there, uh, including log4j, that will process a, a malformed URL. And then it was discovered that Google is also processing mm. malformed URLs. So try typing in HTTPS colon slash 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 your own pay.com. And I bet you still get there. Yeah, because so when I type in HTTPS colon slash 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 and I put the Y, it auto filled your own pay. And then when I pressed enter, it, it took me to what should just be HTTPS colon slash slash. Oh, no, it fixes it in it. It, it fixes it in the URL bar. Yeah. Once you get there, yeah, but it will process there. all those slashes that you typed in. So why does Google do that? Like. That is Let me try something ridiculous. That so try HTTP, put in a bunch of slashes and type in bedrockinnovations.com because I don't think it's going to auto I don't have to you. because I just type in. So what I do is I type in HTTPS and then I type slash like uh, colon slash and I typed it like five times. The minute I hit B, it popped up and said bedrock innovations. So what it hmm. seems to be doing is just disregarding it's still the. Yeah, it's just dis- it's yep. dropping them when it actually processes it, but it is accepting it as input. Uh, which for me personally, I feel like is a bad a, a bad move. I'm sorry, but I think people should learn how to. Son of a bitch! Hmm. Someone forgot to turn his do not disturb on, or is it Tia saying? Nah, it was my sister. Oh. 
but yep, you're right. I did forget to turn on my uh, my focus mode. I was playing with a shortcut earlier to to figure out, uh, and I think I'm about to try to bring in IFTTT and then have it trigger a thing or something. Uh, when I have an event, start a... Uh, well, at least that's mode? what I started. Yeah, that's what I started messing with, but then it occurred to me, like, it'll be difficult to get the exact focus mode that I need going, so I'm just going to have to manually do it for now because if I'm recording, that's a different focus mode from I'm working Yeah. or yeah. I have a meeting, right? Because my things are more tightened up when I have a meeting because I really don't want you to break through unless you really need to break through. Right. If we're recording, he can tell me, pause for a minute, I got to take this call, and we can edit that out. Um, right. Play with automations and time-based. And I, I don't know if you can do it on day of week, but you could do every fr- – every. there should be a way to – that seems like something that should be doable. There's, I mean, I know I could do it with just when I have a calendar event, yep. but I want to be able to specifically – and it's probably – you know, it's possible. So, it's just going to take some tinkering around with like – one, I would have to formalize or, or standardize on a specific language for a certain type of event, right? Like – if it is a meeting or something like that, the standard in the title of the event will make it easier to do that. I'm not currently doing that with events. So that that is why I just was like, right. I have to come back to that and tinker with it later. So one of the push cut is the answer. If you have a certain word in a calendar event, push me a notification that I tap on to trigger a specific focus mode. Uh one of the things that I discovered the other day accidentally, because we've had some family stuff go on, and me and Mallory have been talking during the day, because most of the time we don't talk during the day, because both of us are working. So we've been talking during the day a lot more, and the other day <laughs> she called me and she goes, hey, why do I have to call you two times? And apparently I did not add her to my allow list for my work uh, focus mode, and listeners might re- <laughs> remember that on the previous episode, I discovered that you could have Siri automatically put you in a focus mode. So what was happening is whenever I had a calendar event, including a Zoom event that I was just listening in, my phone was switching over to work mode and I did not know it. Uh-huh. And see, that's what I was trying to avoid. So I didn't set that whole process up to work <laughs> like that because I was like, that is what's going to happen. And sometimes I just have something on the calendar uh, because I'm just going to attend something. Like yep. It doesn't matter if somebody calls me. Like I'm yep. you know, probably off doing other things anyway, just listening to this in the background. Yeah. yeah. Push cut is going to be a part of that process. I think it has to be uh, just so I have that, that at least in the beginning that fail safe. And I don't know that there's a way to make a shortcut run without any sort of interest intervention anyway uh it's something up under very specific circumstances which i don't think are tied to you know uh, a calendar event uh, so Demasi, we go back to what you and i kind of talked a little bit about and that is put a toolbox NF- pro no put an <laughs> nfc tag on the mixer tap your phone against it that'll automatically trigger you to go into recording oh crap yeah i gotta go buy some nfc tags i completely forgot about that yeah yeah because you can you can set, run a shortcut based on an nfc tag that doesn't require other in, in, intervention yeah that is what i need to do i will i need to get a few of those actually I need to do the same I thing. Forgot. Like I, I know how to do how to set it up. I can walk you through the whole process when you get them. But I needed to pick up some more NFC tags myself too. Throw one on the mixer and just tap my phone against it because NFCs it's it can be powerful when you're playing with focus modes and time tracking. I've been doing a little bit mm-hmm. of time tracking with shortcuts. I, I added Timery and 
So now I have three primary shortcuts I used. Uh, I'm sorry, two primary shortcuts and a save timer in Timery that I'm using lately. And in this, I don't think is in the Google Docs, but we'll go this way. Uh, and one of them is it's dishes time. Uh, not not time for dishes, but it's dishes time. Because I want to know truly, I bitch about it all the time, but I want to know truly how much time do I spend on dishes in a week? And I will be able to tell people uh. one day. So when I go do dishes, I say HS, it's dishes time. What it does then is A, it triggers a timer that's that's my household project. It's under the project household, tagged with dishes, description is dishes. So that's uh. a bit redundant. Uh but that's how I have it set up. And then it resumes playback of the last thing I was listening to in Overcast because I want to listen to something while I'm doing dishes. And then it vibrates exactly. my phone. Uh, just it, That last one was just for me doing some testing with a couple other things. I don't need that because once it plays the the mm. Overcast, Starts then I the know podcast, it's done. You know it worked. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I and, do that too, though. That's funny because I, I, I do that when I'm testing a shortcut that I want to just, you know, speak it and make it happen or whatever. I'll, I'll have it do something like a vibration or yep. a notification or something just to make sure it's working. Yeah. And then I do the HS, I'm done when I'm done with it. And the cool thing that I accidentally discovered about this is it will – so that shortcut, what it does is it it stops the currently running timer. Stops the currently running – actually, it pauses the currently running media because I probably want to go back to it, and then it vibrates as well. But when it stops the currently running timer, it says, okay, uh, uh, home project dishes stopped at 15 minutes, 8 seconds or something. So I have instant gratification of how long that timer ran for. Um, so those are the two shortcuts. And then what I also use is a save timer for cooking HelloFresh. I can actually see how long I'm spending actually preparing meals as well. And then I hit start on that. That doesn't automatically play content because I'm often reading a recipe on my phone at the same time. So I don't necessarily want to listen to content right away. So I don't have that set up as a shortcut. But then when I'm done with it, if I am playing content, then it will pause that content and it will give, it'll stop the content uh, or stop the timer, pause that content and then vibrate. And I use the same shortcut HS, I'm done. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing dishes or if I'm cooking something. So uh, next week should be a little bit more interactive when I get that weekly toggle email telling me this is what you tracked the last week. And I'm kind hmm. of excited for it. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, I need to, uh, I got to get me some of these, these uh, NFC tags though. Do you want like round stickers or does it really matter? It, it doesn't really matter. Okay, I'll share with you. I'll put them in the link for the ones that I bought last year, whenever I bought them. Because, uh, yeah, that, those are super useful for running. Like, I had a good time. And I guess the reason I haven't picked any up is because I keep forgetting that you can do this now with iOS because for the longest time you couldn't use the NFC that was built into your phone except for Apple Pay. Yeah. Uh, which is actually nowhere that I go. So, you know, yeah, that's all. Right. <laughs> On a side note, what is the deal with the banks? Like, look, cash, I excuse cash app from this behavior. I exclude other smaller Credit money management or... institutions oh. from this. Uh-huh. Uh, but a bank such as a Wells Fargo Capital One, <laughs> a, a banking institution, what the hell is the deal with 
you want to send me a card with no numbers, like no, just a smooth card with a little chip in it. I got so many of these things. I don't even know which one is which anymore. I used to be able to pick up a card and at least I could feel it, it, some set of digits to know which card this was. Right. Maybe not know what those numbers are, but be able to distinguish, oh, this is my XYZ card. This is my Wells Fargo card. This is my Capital uh-huh. One card. I kind of can do that because not all of the flat cards feel the same, but there are enough of them that feel similar that it's like, mm, go through my wallet real quick. Hand me this card. This one I need. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. so I, have a, I have one or two that are distinct enough that I know which one. For example, yeah. my uh, my business debit card uh, that was issued to me by Bitrock Innovations, that one feels different enough that I know that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of the ones I have for my bank, like all my personal cars, like they're pretty much kind of indistinguishable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you. Although I will say there is a bank out there and I forget which one it is. And if I was professional, I'd research it while I'm talking, but I'm too lazy to type that is now sending. Oh no. I'm thinking of, oh shit. Now I'm going to look it up. Card accessible before i left wells fargo i had a card that had braille on it uh so they had the actual braille numbers and all, all the information on the front uh, all the information for the card that i needed was in braille uh, which is cool so mastercard announced in october of 2021 the fact that they're making their cards more accessible and and what they're doing is they're giving unique notches on the side that will allow you to distinguish distinguish between a uh, debit card, a credit card, or a prepaid debit card. Uh, and you can just feel, oh, this is my prepaid debit card. This is my credit card. It doesn't help when you have four MasterCards that are credit cards in your wallet, for example. Right. But it, it is a start of some sort. And I'll link to this uh, article that I found from MasterCard uh, for their press release in the show notes as well. It amazes me how people go do something without forethought (laughs) and then have to backtrack and try to figure out a way to make it accessible to people with vision loss. Or, or, I mean, this happens with any, any person, uh, any, any disability group, Mm -hmm. People go and do things and implement something and it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, whatever reason they did it. And then it's like, oh, crap, we didn't think about that. Now we got to go back and figure out a way to retroactively make this, you know, work for people. And it's like, you know, I'm not really sure why you had to take the numbers off the front of the card anyway, because they're still there. It's not as if the, the card, the, the numbers. Yeah. Now, the Apple card is different. I'm pretty sure there are other cards out there like this. Uh, the Apple card does not have its numbers on it, or at least when it first came out, it did not. I don't know if they've changed since changed that stance, but it had no numbers on it, period. Like you couldn't look at your card number from your Apple card, from the mm. physical Apple card, right? I didn't realize. So in that case, it sort of makes sense because, well, there are no numbers. The card that I just got in the mail and all the other ones I've gotten in the mail over the past year and a half, uh, they do have the numbers actually on the card. They're just written on, you know, what to me now is the back because I consider the part where the chip is exposed to be the front. So the mm-hmm. back of the card has the numbers there. So they're there. So I, who, who, other than saving some money so you don't have to emboss cards anymore, who are you serving? But I'm a right. bank member, right? Again, I like I said, I excuse cash out for this. I wasn't upset with cash out when I first got their card. One, it helped distinguish their card years ago when I got a cash out card. Yeah. Uh, and two, they're not a bank. Right. Basically, their services are 100 percent free to me because they didn't charge me anything except for transaction fees. If I transfer instantly 
deposited money out of cash into my bank or whatever. Otherwise, cash out for me as a user is completely free. They didn't take transaction fees off me for sending people money and cash out. None of that. So cool. Whatever. Fine. You're small. You're little. Do your thing. My bank, Capital One. Hey, like, listen, you guys are making money off of me. <laughs> Why do I have to have a card that I can't like? I got three of these now that. Well, actually, okay. Yeah, I do have three of these. I have three of these cards from Capital One that uh, actually I can't tell when it's one card apart because it has a different weird little design on the front of it. Uh, See, with my Capital One credit card, I can tell the, that one apart from my debit card because my debit card is flat. Like, it's just flat. And honestly, I've I've taken it in and out of my wallet enough that one of the corners is kind of worn, but that, that I shouldn't have to rely <laughs> on that. But the, the credit card has a funky design on it that I can tactily feel. Yeah, and, so and I it's one strange. of my... Yeah, one of my credit, one of my Capital One credit cards does have that funky little weird. It's probably the same one. Yeah, uh, uh, it has that little funky design on the front. So that one I do know. But my debit card, which I recently had to get replaced <clears throat> a couple of months ago, and now my other Capital One credit card, which I just got replaced, they both feel the same to me. I'm not going to be able to tell mm-hmm. them apart. Also, I have a Visa card that again feels very much like those. So those three cards is like, mm, don't know, man. I don't know. I just know, you know, one of them. Should work. Hey, run this one. That one didn't work. Which one is this? Oh, no, not that one. Oh, crap. Man, what is this guy doing up here? What I have started doing, though, is I just tend to, you know, you know, I'm going to tell this is going to take me into another section that I I, I messaged you this about an hour or so. That's hilarious. I know what you're talking about. And I was going to transition. So go for it, Tomasi. I want to see how you're going to do this. (laughs) So I messaged you about an hour ago and I said, you know, they really need to put a lookout on iOS. Uh, And I'm talking about the lookout Android Google's lookout app on Android, because one, I every time I use it, I'm very impressed about it. Uh, I got mail today. I read my mail with it and I was like, oh, man, this is really good. Like I didn't have to take several shots of this to get it Uh, helps me scan mail. It is very, very good. So also when I'm going somewhere and like I need to take a card, like I will pull out my card and uh, pull out my Android phone or go get it off the desk or figure out wherever the hell I left it and uh, (laughs) unlock it and open up lookout and quickly scan the back of the car. And that will read me the information enough for me to know which car this is. So I know if I have the right car before I take off to go use it. Uh, And then I just stick that card in my pocket. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's that. Uh, But lookout is amazing, dude. Like I know you've been using it. I've been using it. Like I have been using it more and more. Uh, especially since I wiped my iPhone because I do not have seeing AI on my phone. I don't have uh, Envision or any of those apps yep. on my iPhone at the moment. Uh, I have been using live text, but not quite so much because when I want to read something, like I don't need the fiddliness. So I just go to the Pixel, pick that up, open up Lookout. And that's how I've been reading mail, reading everything. Yeah. I use look. I had to find some money for our favorite uh, uncle, and, or I had to find some paperwork for our favorite uncle, uh, so I could send proof of wages for something. And I I knew where that piece of paper was that had the information on it, but I didn't know what it was because I literally need to get better at filing paperwork. I just throw it in a filing cabinet drawer and say, ah, it's in there somewhere. When I need it, I'll find it. Well, that bit me a couple months ago. 
So what I did is I just pulled Lookout out, out and I was able to, it didn't give me accurate scanning, but I didn't need 100% accurate scanning. I just needed to. I bet you were sc- using text mode though, right? Yep. 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 See, document mode gives you better accurate scanning when you need to read. That text mode gives you enough to know what it is you're looking at. So, you know, if I need this or don't need this. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly what I used it for. It was just to skim through and be like, oh, this has information that I need. And then I was able to use document mode, read the whole thing to get the information off of it. But it it's it's a handy little app. I really like it. I don't know that it'll come to iOS, but probably yeah, probably not. I, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't put it over there. Maybe I should take a look at, because uh, they do have, or they did have Google Lens. Mm, I haven't played with that in years. iOS. I wonder if they have surreptitiously rolled the lookout functionality into Google Lens on Uh, iOS and nobody's just not talking about it. Um, We'll add that to future follow-up to see what Demasi comes up with for that. Yeah, because I'm going to take a look at that. But yeah, lookout is is amazing. So if you do have, if you are an Android user or you have an Android phone, uh, get the lookout out from Google. Yeah, it's free. It is it is free. It is 100% free and it, it is rock solid. I've used it for currency mode. I've I use the text uh, mode. The food identifying mode yep, often. I've used it. That's what I was, I was using that one day until it was like, what are you using to do that? Because people keep asking me what type of apps do I know of any apps that, that will do this because she's in a bunch of different groups on Facebook or whatever. Uh-huh. She talks to other blind people sometimes. Uh, so uh, I was like, oh, well, I'm using uh, this is on the Android phone. So if they go on Android, tell them to get a lookout. If they're on iOS, like here's a couple of recommendations. None of them seem to be quite as good as this is, though. Well, you know why Lookout looks as well or Lookout works as well as it does, don't you? It doesn't rely on just the barcode. It'll take images of it and use the Google image search to find the products and then do its best to match it up. Hmm. I mean, I, I figured it was just, you know, Google's good at processing data. But um, it is. And, that's that's literally that, that, what it is. Is like they're good get at processing to, yeah, images. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just didn't get down to, like, the specifics of why it's probably so good. It's yeah. just like, oh, well, you know, Google, this is what Google is good at. Uh, they, these are the types of things that Google is extremely good at, and everybody else still has to play catch-up. We sacrifice by giving Google all of our data, but we reward we are rewarded by having reliable tools such as Lookout from Google having so much data. Give and take. Yeah, I mean they set out with the goal of scanning the entire world or something like that. I, I forget what that that whole deal was, yeah. but you know they they wanted to do that with Google Books and you know they they have laudable goals. I have to give them that, and they're good at processing data. They're good at you know, information intake and then giving you back something useful. Uh, sometimes some of the decisions that they make with said data or how they want to give you said data are the things that create problems for me. Like, you know, Google search is still a pile of crap now. It used to be so good. I'm I'm not using, and we've discussed this on the show before. Uh, I mean, you have talked about it several times offline. Like I'm not using, I use DuckDuckGo mm-hmm. uh, for my search now. Uh, and it's been my search engine for a couple of years. But the reason I switched to it permanently is not so much that I'm concerned about Google's data crap. It's because they've just screwed up the layout of search. Yeah. So bad yeah. that it makes it yeah. more difficult to find the information that you're giving me. So if anyone from Google is listening and you want some feedback, reach out to the two of us and we'd be delighted to provide you some feedback. Just just throwing that out there when it comes yeah. to search. Yeah. But yeah. make some changes. I happily give you feedback. Put it back the way it was. Yes. Yes. 
you know, your ass were still working. They were still there, but they didn't get in the way and stop trying to be clever with how you organize and categorize the search results. Just give them to me headings. They're great. And and you could even oh oh you're gonna see this this transition I mean, uh, it would be even smoother if I didn't say anything about it but you could easily do that if you just restored a backup from what you had so Demasi <laughs> yeah just well, reach back into your archives from like 2013 2014 and just restore Google search to that yeah yeah yeah. Um, or just restore the layout at least, like the, the layout. The data yeah. You have. yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. restore just, the database because I don't know how much heading mm, that would provide. No. Yeah, <laughs> no. don't don't restore the just just you know just roll back to that. Yeah, just roll back to that deployment version of the site. That, mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. Leave the database where it is. <laughs> so what are you what are you doing for backups? Because I bought Arc in March of last year, I think it was. And mm. you, I, you should put in a reminder that that's going to recur again. Yeah, because the thing is going to bill your card. Uh, no, no, it'll bill my card, but send you the receipt. Remember? Is it? Yeah, because I, 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 I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. You, you forwarded me the email and I clicked on it. Oh, it was tied to your email oh, address. Oh, so I could get then, you the, yeah, yeah. So you could get the discount. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. That so, should also be a recurring discount, yeah. so you shouldn't have to. Uh, yeah. But it'll build Apple Pay because I was able to check out with Apple Pay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so what do yeah. you use them for backup now? Because I need to restore this computer eventually since I'm doing beta with Windows 11. And Arc will work, but I'm curious what you're using for backup because I need to also buy some on-site drives eventually. Mm. Yeah. On a side note, I sent those spinning hard drives back back to Amazon. Um, yeah yeah not just to recover the refund but it, man i i can't deal with the spinning the noise it was driving me nuts yeah it was driving me crazy yeah literally it was driving <laughs> me nuts makes me insane i didn't even want to work in here i had to copy a bunch of data off of them because i tried them out but yeah they're they just too loud uh so what i'm using for backup i'm still using arc like arc is still my main off-site backup solution um that that's what I use. That that's always going to be a part of that uh, my my backup strategy. Period. Uh, just because it's so great, and I get to manage where that data goes, whether I back it up to Google Drive or you know, well, if I Dropbox or or, or, Asabi, or an FTP or server hosted on your FTP Raspberry Pi with remote drives. Yeah, yeah, it could you know. So that that's still what I'm using for uh, backup. Now, here's a tip because you just kind of mentioned this, so you could. Also, just plug in a hard drive to your computer and use that as a backup location for Arc as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that also works. Uh, I I reached out to Arc uh, to ARQ's uh, support to find out if there was a way for me to build like a backup, uh, at least the location information, and then be able to share that information with somebody else. Because I was thinking about a couple of people like I don't really want to have to walk you through pasting in these super long keys for wasabi but i can go set up a bucket for you and create a user and and then hopefully just send you a profile that you just important to arc and then there's your data and they were like no you can't do that and i was like oh yeah. okay because uh, uh you know would have made my life a little easier if i could have done it that way but yeah arc is still my main thing i do have a carbon copy cloner uh, although I haven't really been using that since I upgraded to Big Sur because uh, Big Sur, you could still make bootable backups. That was Mac OS 11. 
you could still make bootable backups, but the writing was on the wall and everybody saw it, including the guy from uh, Carbon Copy Cloner. If you're a long-time Mac user, you've also heard of Super Duper, uh, which is another tool that we used to use to clone our hard drives to an external drive and then have a bootable backup. backup so if yeah. your internal hard drive died, you could just plug that in and boot off of that external drive, which has saved my butt a couple of times. Uh, well, the data being there, I never yeah. actually had to boot uh, an external. But uh, Apple is severely changing the way that that these things work, uh, mostly because of how they're doing the, the volumes now for data versus the operating system. They're making the operating system uh, a separate partition on their drive. A bunch of low level stuff nobody really cares about. But essentially, it is going to be nigh impossible, if it's not currently impossible today, to make a bootable backup. Uh, eventually it won't be possible if it is still possible today. So I have not been using Carby Copy Cloner as much or Super Duper uh, because the biggest feature of those is like, well, hey, if my internal drive on my computer just dies, I can plug in the external boot up and then I'm back off and running and I don't have to spend a whole bunch of time. Uh, you know, I can figure out what the problem is later. That not so much being the case has kind of negated the, at least for me, I'm not going to say the necessity, uh, but I guess the motivation to set up a external backup drive. But I do need to do that. Uh, I may just use Arc for that since it's just backing up data anyway. Uh, it's one less application to deal with and manage. Uh, well, that's what I'm doing for backups. Uh, Linux servers, you know, most of these, Leno, DigitalOcean, all these places have ways for you to back up your server. You just turn on server backups. They charge you like a buck or something more. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20%. I think is what it seems to be 20% of whatever your Leno costs you uh, or, or your digital ocean droplet costs you. So they'll back up your servers. Arc, I think works on Linux, but I don't remember now. We make elevated essentials for real life, organic, cotton, ethically sewn, beautiful, comfortable, well-made under things for adults, babies, and kids. That's the, the first thing that at? came up when I searched for ARQ. On Google. Uh, yeah, I got the ARQ backup. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we'll have a link to ARC at your own pay.com. <laughs> wow. Just had to throw you off there. Yeah, it's ARCbackup.com. <laughs> yeah, ARCbackup.com is, is, is where you want to go. But yeah, we'll have links to that. Links to Carbon Copy Cloner and Super Duper as well. Um, Backblaze is still a good deal for people if you don't want to have to deal with, you know, setting up anything uh, yourself. Just install the application and, and, and plug and play like it's still reasonable. I'm not certain about the accessibility of his interface. I remember last time we talked about Backblaze a couple of years ago. Uh, we'll find an episode to link to it. We talked all about our backup strategies then. Probably like DM fifty two or something. Oh no, man, Demasi, you are you are way off. Well, maybe maybe we did talk about it close to that, but we did talk about it in DM twenty three. Uh, oh no, B2 we talked about it more or, recently. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that was the B two or S three. What's for me? Find oh, out. No, we were talking about offloading media. No, we were talking about offloading media. I think that. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. We, we, we. This, this was DM forty ish, like forty, somewhere between forty three and fifty two. I'm gonna say. We'll find it. Because uh, somebody reached out to us and said, "Hey, I tried Backblaze on Windows and it was it's not accessible." And uh, so I can't speak to the accessibility of it. Arc, Mike, Arc on Windows is still good, right? 
last time I opened it. It's been a while since I opened. That's the thing about a a, a backup <laughs> solution. You don't got to really play with it that much. No, uh, well, I I think they have. I, I think the the developer of uh, Arc Backup has repented. Although when he went to that version, what was it? Version six. Yes. Where they broke it on the Mac, like it was horrible on the Mac, and Mark was like, "Oh, it works great over here." I was like, "Yeah, whatever." Fuck it. I went back to Arc Five, uh, but the Arc Seven has has been solid. Uh, I think it's just a native app on both platforms, so it it's, takes advantage of what each platform offers. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I have not opened Arc probably since I set it up on this computer, actually. Uh, which was it just works. I don't know. Yeah, it just works. I don't have to think about it. I know it works. I mean, I used to, I, I used to when I first started using it, I would have it send me an email every time it finished a backup. Uh, they got old real quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then I turned it down to just send me an email when there are errors. And I still have that set up. Like if there's an error with a backup, send me an email. Uh, but I haven't gotten an email from Arc in, I don't know, forever. Definitely not on this computer since it's been set up. So. Uh, but that's what I'm doing for backups. Everybody, you should be doing backups. You should, you should, uh, don't do what I'm doing. Do, do as I say, not as I do. You should have a on-site backup with a external hard drive. Uh, and you should also have an off-site backup just in case, you know, the worst comes to worst at your house. You got somewhere else that that data lives that you can retrieve it. Uh, and also we'll drop a link into, uh, to know a little more. Because uh, Tom did a very good, what I think was a very good episode on um, backup strategies, right? Like what data do you actually need to backup? We are past the point, I think, where you need to backup your entire system because uh, it's fairly easy to get back up and running now, even if you have to wipe your computer. I mean, Michael just wiped his computer two weeks ago and nobody would know it. Did I lose you, Mike? No, I'm here. Uh, oh. I, I was going to see how long I could just sit there and see if you, you lost me. Anyways, I backed up my computer a couple weeks ago, and no one knew no, you about wiped it. wiped your computer a oh. couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's almost time for it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to wipe out again, too, actually. It happens uh, more often than people even know. Like, Yeah. Because it's easy to get back up and running. So I think, you know, the strategy of what I actually back up is like my user data, like things that I am actually creating on the computer. Uh, those are the things that I want to back up. Uh, I don't care about backing up the OS because I just re- reboot, you know, wipe it, reinstall the OS, and we're off and running. So my backup and restore strategy for the latest time that I did it is, and I was slightly distracted there for a minute. So Demasi may mention this because uh, <clears throat> I was getting all these links. He was saying we're going to put in here uh, <laughs> and throwing them in the Google Doc. Less work for me for post production, but I I think I got them all. I, I, well, I need to find Super Duper and uh, Carbon. Carbon. I, I, so if you want to do those, they're further down the document. But my latest backup or backup and restore from Windows was, and this is all I did. I copied my documents folder from my documents in my library to Google Drive. And, and literally, that's all I did. Then I copied a, the desktop folder into my document. So it was all one contained folder. And then I let that back up to Google Drive, not encrypted. There's nothing there for encryption, for protection, because literally anything I need encrypted is in one password. So then I went ahead and restored my computer. Then I in, reinstalled. The first tool I reinstalled was one password. Second tool was Google Drive. 
Drive. When I got Google Drive, well, uh, let me rephrase that. The first tool I installed was JAWS. Second tool is 1Password so I could authorize JAWS. Then it was Google Drive so I could get all my files back. And I just opened Google Drive, found the documents folder, moved all of the contents out of the desktop folder inside of the documents folder and put them back on my desktop so it was all right there. Then I copied all of the files from my documents folder into my documents folder locally on my computer and everything was where I expected it to be. Uh, I think the only thing I had to fix was I have a Google Drive shortcut to a shortcut of a folder in my Google Drive on my desktop. And I know that sounds convoluted, but it's super nice because I just go to my desktop and I can hit one letter and then I'm I'm into a shared folder with other shared folders so I can quickly do what I need to do for work. And that I think the whole restore process was maybe 20 minutes downloading all the data. Well, not downloading, uh, indexing all the data on my local computer so I could see what was there and then move content from it and then downloading it. But I'm also not storing a lot of huge files on my computer anymore. It used to have like virtual machines when I was on the Mac that were like 10, 20 gigs. I've got, you know, <laughs> lots of audio files and stuff. Um, my Reaper folder was my biggest thing. But one thing I also have done with Reaper and this may not apply to everyone, but I set a, when I record files and I save them, but I don't do anything with the project folder as my slash TMP slash audio recordings inside of the Reaper folder. So before I moved my documents folder, cause my Reaper folder lives inside of my documents. I firstly went through all the projects and deleted old stuff that I don't think I'll ever go back to. And that might kick me later, but, um, and also maybe an arc. I need to, honestly, I don't have it installed right now. I don't remember if it was installed when I had, uh, or before I restored the computer, but I went through, deleted some of those projects out of Reaper. And then I went through and I just wiped the entire TMP audio recordings folder. And that lowered the size of my drive of my disk usage or my document substantially. So I didn't have to worry about waiting forever for things to restore. So. Yeah, that, that it it has gotten much simpler uh, to restore your data, uh, and like you, I don't store a ton of stuff internally anymore. Like I, I have some data that lives on an external drive because if anything worse comes to worse, I can grab that drive and go plug it into anything else uh, that has USB C. It is a Thunderbolt drive, but it'll work over USB C, so that works. And yeah, a lot of my stuff lives in the cloud. Uh, some in Google Drive, although I'm starting to migrate stuff out of Google Drive so I can dial down uh, how much money I pay Google every month. <laughs> uh, and just moving a lot of stuff off to sync um, because as discussed, security, 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 security. So do you Thank do anything with encryption with your files remotely or what? what what's your... Do you worry about that? Because like all my data that I need encrypted is like social security information or uh, password information or credit card information. All of that data is in one password already. One password, man. One password. Oh. So I play around with some tools that will let you encrypt your data just so that I know what's available because, you know, different different options uh, 
for different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one app that I have liked uh, for years now and have, I won't say consistently used because I don't necessarily need it, uh, is Cryptomator. Uh, Cryptomator runs on Mac OS, Windows, iOS, Android, and I'm pretty sure Linux. And what I liked about it over a lot of the other options that are out there, because uh, Cryptomator was coming up I would say around the same time, stuff like Boxcryptor, which is a service that people may have heard of. I tried that out before. Uh, and essentially what these service types of applications uh, do, uh, Cryptomator specifically, is you create a vault and you can store that vault anywhere. Uh, you know, store it in Google Drive, store it in iCloud, store it in Dropbox. And that, that is the purpose of it is for you to be able to create a encrypted space on your cloud storage so that even the cloud storage company can't read your data. Uh, so for people who are heavy Dropbox users or heavy Google Drive users or even heavy iCloud Drive users uh, or any other cloud service, uh, you know, you create a vault there and let's say you want to store you know, the backup super secret key that gets you into one password and therefore example, uh, which is I do have that in, in a cryptomator vault that lives in iCloud Drive. I don't have to worry about that data ever slipping, even if the government forces Apple to hand over everything they got in iCloud Drive. Like nobody's going to then be able to leverage that to get into my one password. Yes, I know it's highly unlikely, uh, but I am the person who invented the tinfoil visor. Uh, just be aware of that. <laughs> so, uh, Cryptomator is a service uh, app that I've used uh, quite a bit. They have a new version out for iOS, which is super cool because it links. It, it it is developed and designed to link directly into the Files app on iOS. Uh, prior versions of it, you would connect to your vaults and access your files from inside the cloud. Uh, not cloud mounter uh cryptomator app uh whereas this one uh very much like an app that i think we've talked about on the show before uh shellfish uh cryptomator you go in and set up your connection like you 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 link to the vault and put in your password and all that stuff to to actually have it unlockable uh but then from there you can just unlock with face id inside the files app you do not access your files inside of cryptomator which i think is super cool because you know apple is actually it it proves two things number one like people are are jumping on board with the cloud provider uh apis that apple has added to ios and mac os and secondarily it means that apple has done a good enough job for things like this to work because the very early stages of the files app trying to use stuff like dropbox or google drive in the early versions of the files app man, like man you just asking for trouble you're bringing a lot of hurt to yourself back then i don't miss those days i don't either not at all not at all <laughs> but if you need to have encrypted no, not everything's super secret encrypted and nobody can read it but you and the people you give out. You know, you just need to have a little small space here or there where you need to store things securely, but you do want them to be accessible everywhere. Uh, you know, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops and do GPG or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, Cryptomator, I think, is a accessible, accessible solution, uh, both in the accessibility with a screen reader as well as, uh, the ease of use for just, you know, somebody who's like, oh, I should, you know, I want to have my, you know, passport, social security card, uh, 
birth certificate, you know, marriage license, whatever in the cloud so I can access it anywhere on my phone, my computer, whatever. But I don't want to just sitting out there like you, you're you're paranoid enough or conscientious enough uh, not to want to just sitting on Dropbox servers for, you know, a rogue employee to start stealing your data. If that happens, uh, you know, Cryptomator is a good solution, I think. And it, it, it's a one time purchase and out purchase on the phone. It's free on the desktop platforms yep. i believe uh, they yeah. do ask for a donation but you don't have to make that in order to use it but to unlock full functionality of their new app uh it's one one time in app purchase uh and it's not a terrible amount of money and it's it, it is also open source so even if you just like i can't go spelunking through their code to figure out if they're doing anything weird people have done it they have been vetted because all the code is up on github uh so it's also another plus good good that is awesome uh, for keeping your shit secure. Uh, and I did find a link to it and threw it at the show notes at the bottom. I So I was doing what I've done forever, and that is have two tabs open. And, of course, anytime I close a tab, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to close the recording tab. Even though now it, it does finally prompt you now if you try to close a tab. Are you sure you want to leave? <clears throat> but mm. the problem is, is... I forget that I have another tab open when I'm in the Google Doc. So eventually I've got like 10 tabs open and I'm like, wait, where's that Google Doc? So I have gotten faster at the links because I remembered that you can just copy the word or type in the word when you're linking and Google will do a Google search and you just press enter. And I think that's how Demasi got the links in there so quickly. I'm like, ah, yes. that's probably what he did. So uh, I just selected the text uh -huh. and then I didn't even look for Google because Google has a weird thing. I don't know how to change this where it sometimes wants to search through stuff in my Google Drive yes. first for me yes. to link to. So I just started typing into the search field like what it is that I want am trying to link to. And uh, then down very arrow. specific. And then down over and hit return. Uh, yep. Yep. Like for super duper, I typed in super duper Mac backup, right? In the search field. The link still says super duper. Yep. But you know, I, I got what I wanted. Yep, that is how I did it though. <laughs> So we don't open up new tabs and search for stuff, man. That's barbaric. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Although I will say that I discovered the other day, I have this numpad on the right side of this Lenovo laptop that literally I use it. They use it for media, uh, to control media. Like by default, that's what the BIOS uses it for. But I discovered the other day that if I turn the numlock on, I can hit control two on the numpad and it jumps me to the second tab or control one that'll jump me to the first tab. So I found a whole new use for this because now I just open the tabs that I use regularly at work and then I can say, you know, use Zendesk as control one. So I can just quickly jump over to Zendesk with control one, find accept to answer a call. If they have a, a customer question, I hit control two. That'll jump me over to the login page. I can log into the customer portal. Uh, so it's, it, I, I like it. It's kind of nice. The little things you learn. I was doing this with the number row, just hitting control yeah. one from the number row, but, but for, it's quicker it's with the faster this way. Yeah. 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 Before we wrap it up, Demasi, because we're coming at about 60 minutes minus about five, 10 minutes for us to get shit set up plus editing and stuff. I'm curious. You've been. You took yourself down a path. Oh, I'm going to throw two topics in at once. You took yourself down a path of being able to produce better video 
and still keep high quality audio. And you picked up a new toy, I guess. So uh, if if you could real quickly switch over to that toy in a moment and let us hear what that toy sounds like and uh, tell us what you got. So what I picked up is a Countryman Lavalier microphone uh, with XLR connection because a lot of lav mics have... Um, different connectors for wireless setups so i specifically wanted one that had xlr so the one i have is a countryman uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to the exact model because their model numbers are you know somewhat indecipherable like most people's products you know we give apple on a side note we, we give apple a little bit of hell for you know plus and pro and pro max but you know at least you I know what you're you which, I can tell you which phone Tia has. It's the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I know which phone I have. It's the iPhone 13 Mini. Uh, this Countryman mic, yeah, I just know it's a Countryman. I can tell you who made it. Uh, so this mic clips on. Has a, it, it came. So first, when I bought this mic, I uh, bought it from Sweetwater. And um, when I got it, it came with a nice little portable carrying case. Uh a foam windscreen to go over top of it and a couple of different clamps uh, basically just replace one one clamp and then a, a replacement clip so i currently have this right now clipped to the headphones that i'm using uh, so oh, it's yeah. kind of down below my neck uh, okay and i'm just talking and it picks me up fairly well it does pick up a little bit more room noise uh, than does my Audio Technica microphone, but it has been extremely useful for some screencasts that I have recorded uh, recently to share uh, either walkthroughs of, of services for people or showing uh, accessibility issues with some of the uh, web apps that I'm using. And uh, just because I'm kind of lazy, I get to kick back like this and, you know, nobody knows I'm leaning back in my chair with my feet up. But you uh, but definitely how, can tell with the ATR. Yeah, like you wouldn't be able to hear me with the ATR uh, if I was doing this. But I can sit back like this when I'm doing a Zoom call where I don't need to be any sort of, you know, web conferencing, Google Meet, Zoom, or just a phone call uh, through the board. Nobody knows. I get to relax in a sense, still be able to reach my keyboard and type and do all of those things. But I don't have to sit up the way that I do when me and Michael are recording. Because my ATR is all the way up here, so I have to sit up here. And and now people got an exact representation of both microphones and and how the difference of them sounds. So uh, ATR is a great microphone, but sometimes you need something to give you more flexibility and or to give you – people don't – honestly, I like to say, cool, I'm going to have this fancy microphone in front of my face even though it's not super fancy. It will make me look like I'm a professional. But when you're on a video <laughs> – He doesn't really say that. Yeah. No, not really. But when you're on a video, you want to – to be able to just talk and have decent sound quality. And that's one of the, one of the gripes I have with some video content is they're the people producing the content are more worried about the video and they don't give a damn about their sound. And so they're just using the built-in laptop microphones and that drives mm. me crazy. <laughs> it, it does drive me crazy as well. Uh, th this is not the best uh, or, or the, the lav mic is not the best lav mic on, on the market, uh, for sure. 
but it, it is one of the better ones. And I actually, there's a comparison video. If I can find it, I will uh, add it to the show notes. I should be able to look through my YouTube history. So there was a YouTube video where a guy did a whole bunch of uh, comparisons with a lot of different. I may have sent you this link. I don't remember. Uh, but a guy did a whole bunch of comparisons with a bunch of lav mics. He had the um, some of the higher end ones, the uh, D- DPAs, I think is what they are. Uh, those are the ones that like I've heard that Apple uses those on stage for their or they used to use those on stage when they were doing live in-person events. Uh uh, level mics and they they sounded great like you get a bunch of background noise uh, you had some country music and some very you know relatively inexpensive mics that sounded good for me picking this one was basically one it had XLR it is kind of difficult to find a lav mic that just goes out XLR a lot of them have the connections for like the Shure or the Sennheiser mm-hmm. uh, or the proprietary Rode, uh, connection wireless yeah for the wireless connections right and it is ridiculously expensive to buy a converter from let's say a Sennheiser uh, wireless uh, connector to XLR adapter. Like, you know, the couple I found, I think the cheapest one I found was like 59 bucks. And I'm like, well, shit, if I'm going to pay 100 bucks for the mic and then 59 bucks for Might this well adapter, I may as well just throw an extra 25 bucks in here and get this Countryman XLR joint and just call it a day. Uh, but yeah, it's been extremely good. I haven't done a lot of video conferencing, but I have used it for conference calls in general. Like, you know, uh, I've been shifting more to using Google Meet, uh, which is weird since I was talking about trying to get rid of Google. <laughs> Google but. <laughs> but talking about that made him realize, hey, I have Google Meet and I should use it more often. Yeah, and, you know, I actually kind of like, like Google Meet is actually a little, I feel like Zoom's success is going to end up being its ultimate failure in a lot of ways. Because just think about it. They've added apps to Zoom. Who was asking for this? Who asked for that? Who, who wants not apps me. inside of Zoom? Not uh, me. Maybe I, I someone who spends all day inside of Zoom. But I think apps inside of Zoom just overcomplicates the whole interface. Yeah, exactly. Like you're adding complexity that doesn't need to be there. Your external connections and the ability in your API, that's where they should focus at because let people build things to run on top of Zoom or connect into Zoom. You shouldn't be trying to, you know, expose. But anyway, I can't tell them how to run their business, whatever. Uh, but yeah, using Google Meet because I'm paying for, you know, G Suite, may as well pay for that. Uh, use that. But I have used it, uh, used it a lot on phone calls. Uh, me and Michael have talked in the past how we run our call, our phones into the board with the uh, headset buddy uh, from AT guys. Go check it out. Uh, so we're able to listen to audio because I listen to, you know, I will play an audio book a lot of times when I'm working during the day or music. Uh, and I just patch it through the phone. So if I get up to go do something else in the house, I can just take the phone and I still have the same audio. You don't, don't listen have to, to podcast do that either. I learned the other day because I learned that Bluetooth takes proprietary or takes uh, priority over the connection. So all I have to do is grab my AirPods, slip them in, and keep listening. Yeah, but see, if I go to the front of the house, I'll probably ah, lose my gotcha. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but you are right. As soon as you pop in your your blue your headset, like it it automatically switches. So typically, what I do is I put in my ear. I'll take off my headphones, put in my earbud, and then grab the phone uh, and disconnect it from the board. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I've handled a lot of phone calls using that microphone uh, and also using the telephone app on the Mac. So it's it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's, it's been a. Um, 
like you, I wish that people paid more attention to their audio when they were doing video uh, because good audio. Look, you can have slightly terrible video and people will still listen to what you have to say. But having a great video with terrible audio, like you lose people. And it's not just a blind person thing. It's not a visually impaired person thing. It's not an audiophile thing. It's people in general. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, people have studied this. If your audio is good, people will deal with a shaky video or whatever because they don't necessarily have to look at it and, and, and whatever. But bad audio, like we can't hear you. We don't know yeah. what you're talking about. All we hear is whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> And of course, because like, you're using your laptop microphone, please stop that. Yeah. Uh, there are some very good headset slash uh so very good mics that you can just plug into usb uh, at guys sells them for 39 dollars. just throwing that out there if you only hear a demo of it go to atguys.com this episode is not sponsored by jj but it's not sponsored but the audit <laughs> the, the equipment has been tested so yep know, yep uh, and we'll drop a link to that in there lastly it's the v7 deluxe microphone or headset if you want to Google it uh, while I jump into this. Lastly, I will I will say that Demasi and I have done some testing with the MacBook Air microphones, the M1 MacBook Air, and the iPad Air microphones. And in a larger room from testing that I've done, I even if you grab an iPad, it's still not going to be the best quality, but in some instances, it may be better quality. Long story short, don't use your built-in microphones on your computer. They you can get a decent little headset mic that plugs into your, your audio jack on your computer. and, and, and uh, <laughs> I wish I could. I think this is what this lady was using on a podcast that me and Michael sometimes, both sometimes listen to, uh, all about Android. Mm, mm, mm. Uh this lady sounded great. Like she sounded great. And I promise she was just using a headset microphone, like a little earbud microphone that, mm-hmm. that plugged into the, the audio jack of her computer. I'm fairly certain that that's what it was. I just cannot pinpoint down. I know it was a bear, 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 bear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just can't pin down the exact model that it was. And I can't, I don't remember which episode she was on and I don't remember her name. So I can't reach out to her (laughs) on Twitter as Michael is going to suggest again. So an experience that I recently had, you know, me and Mike both try out apps quite a bit. We've tried out different apps. I think I've gotten more crotchety and more resistant to trying new stuff. That's the reason Mike had to tell me about Ira for like a year (laughs) before I finally tried it. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Hey, hey Mossy, how's Ira treating you? <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Then he gave me another super tip uh, the other day. I'll let him share that in a second. Uh, but, you know, we oftentimes try stuff, and sometimes you just keep using stuff or you try stuff. You're trying to find a solution. Here's essentially what I was trying to do. Uh, I had a bunch of data on disparate hard drives that I needed to consolidate. So... I tried a couple of different ways of doing this. I know that copying stuff in Finder is a terrible way to go because it just basically takes over Finder and it makes your computer kind of useless for a while if you need to browse the Finder. So initially I tried an app, um, you know, no, no disrespect to the app, but I was trying to really move like two and a half terabytes worth of data, uh, (laughs) from one hard drive to another. And they both external drives that I'm connecting to. Right. So, this thing kept dropping, kept like it, it would run for a while and then it would stop or it would get errors and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just seemed to be taking forever. Uh, 
And then I, you know, I finally got that data moved over. And then I started uh, looking for a way to mount my uh, Wasabi bucket because I really want that data up in Wasabi. Uh, it's going to blow right through my data cap, of course, but, you know, whatever. Uh, screw you, uh, Xfinity. <laughs> uh, it's going to blow right through my data cap. But I needed to get this data up to Wasabi. So tried out a bunch of different things, a bunch of different ways. Mountain Duck is a thing I tried, and I kept getting certificate errors with them. Uh, and finally... I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm tired of trying to sync this data over here and it keeps disconnecting. This keeps going sideways, whatever. So I just jumped in the terminal and I typed out an rsync command to do my syncing from an external hard drive up to a bucket for Wasabi that I mounted using an app that me and Michael talked about probably around like DM43 uh, cloud mounter. Now, when we talked about Cloud Mounter, we were looking for ways to mount like Dropbox and Google Drive on our computers uh, without taking up all the storage of our internal hard drives. Because this was before everybody had, um, you know, basically what amounts to like Cloud Sync, where you can see all of your files, but they're not all on your computer. Uh, but Cloud Mounter will also let you mount a Wasabi bucket. Mounted a Wasabi bucket with Cloud Mounter, and oh, no problems, no no random disconnections, no you know weirdness, no no hinkiness. Oh, it's frozen, none of that. And the rsync command, well, you know, it just kept running, just plugging away till it got done. So, uh, just a tip, you know, sometimes just go back to the old way of doing stuff. Rsync is older than me, probably, uh, but it still works. We like to wrap each episode up with sharing when something. When we remember to do it. Yes. Sharing something we've found or we've been enjoying. And I've been on a conscientious tracking mode this year. That seems to be my theme, as some people would call it, where I'm tracking. The year of tracking. Yeah. I'm tracking uh, journal entries. Had a few entries to put in this year already. Tracking uh Body weight weighing weekly, I and mean, I have my own journal for body weight that's separate from everything else. So I can just go back and look at, at how things have been going. And I'm also tracking now water and caffeine consumption. So my choice of application that I want to say that I am recommending is WaterMinder. A couple of people have told me to pick this up in the past. I never did. And then Jeff and I were talking on a Discord, I think, or Clubhouse, one of those. They all blend together. And he's like, yeah, you should get this. You can track how much water you're drinking. And I know Demasi and I had mentioned it in the past to each other before. And so I finally picked it up. And I am liking it. It's a little thing. You can add a little complication to your watch if you want to quickly track water. I have the percentage on my watch, so I know what percent I have. But if I tap on that percentage, that actually took place of the day one location, if you remember us talking about our mm. watch faces. So it's in the bottom left corner of my watch. So I tap on that, and then I can. I have a, a custom cup for 12 ounces of coffee, because that's what the coffee cups are in our house, or 12 ounces. So I can just log one of those when I finished it or 20 ounce water cup and I can go back and look, oh, that day I drank six cups of coffee and I got a pretty bad headache that day as well. Hmm, maybe I should see what it looks like if I only drink three cups of coffee and did I get a headache there? And ultimately I want to get some of that data, but 
one last thing I want to mention about Waterminder is, and this is going to be more useful for me towards the end of this year, assuming I continue on with this trend of tracking my water consumption. Um, you can go back and listen to a chart of your water consumption. And that, that might sound weird, but Apple has a, I think it's built into iOS as a feature. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you flick yeah. down on a chart and it says play chart and, or play audiogram or something. Uh, no, it's play mm -hmm. audio chart. And it uses beeps to identify to you, you know, Oh, uh, one time during this last week, I drank a lot more water or I drank more water towards the middle of the month. And you can hear that by different tones that the chart is playing. So when I get more data and I will follow up and let people know how that works out. Uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting to listen to for a month. Yeah. Waterminder is uh, a great app. Uh, it is consistently being worked on, updated, has remained accessible the entire time that I've been using it. I started using it mostly because I needed to start remind at the time, a couple of years ago, to remind myself to actually drink water. Um, mm. because I wasn't drinking enough water. Uh, that's how I started with it. Uh, and then it just turned into kind of the way that you're using it now, which is, you know, logging, you know, coffee, water, juice, you know, whatever I tend to drink, which is not a lot of different, you know, it's not a lot of variety in what I drink. Uh, it's going to be coffee, water, an occasional soda, uh, maybe a juice here and there. I really want more smoothies in my life, but, you know. Bought a blender for that purpose, but you know. Wait, lazy. for making margaritas? Oh. Uh, <laughs> did I say margaritas? I don't oh. know. I got a message. I got a message from Nicholas that said I no, found I it. It was in the medicine cabinet. And then I come back That's and you're weird. like, your phone? why is your phone in the medicine cabinet? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just glad to know he found it. <laughs> I am glad he found it. Yeah. But why is it there? <laughs> I'm not even sure how you. Okay, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't. <laughs> he is my son, so I don't even try to ask to understand. Oh man, yeah, I have to remember that sometimes when my kids do stuff like either you're my kid, okay, I got it, or you're your mother's kid, so that explains. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, blender for smoothies, not, ah, not okay. margaritas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. So what? What I? What I? You know, I'll try to track what I drink too. That, that's a good thing. That actually makes me think about. Uh, I, I think an approach that I want to take with this is get back into using Waterminder. Uh, get back into actually doing my workouts routinely because that's something I've kind of uh, fallen off on, and slowly, possibly, work my way back over to trying out food knobs again uh, mm. to start tracking food. But I think that may be. You know, late spring, early summer before I want to take that jump to try to start doing that. Uh, because, again, gathering the data is good because then you can look back and see what, what you've done. And also, like Mike said, you know, if I look at why, OK, I felt somewhat bad yesterday or whatever. Uh, look at what you did. Like, oh, I, I drunk you know, six cups of coffee and uh, no water and only ate you know, a small meal like or something or I only drunk one cup of coffee yesterday. So I was probably suffering from caffeine withdrawal. Just a quick note. You may have known this, but apparently Waterminder is also available on Android. I did not know that. 
Yeah, so I'm going to have to play with that. Breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> Waterminder is on Android. No, I did not know that at all. Yeah, so I just linked to the Waterminder homepage in the uh, notes. So go ahead with your tip. So my tip for this episode uh, is actually one that I got from Michael. Uh, Ira, everybody should be familiar with Ira. If you're not, go check him out. Link in the show notes. Uh, but Ira has a feature that I, I liked. I, I like it, honestly like it, which is the ability to, you know, set up a team viewer connection and they can connect to your computer and control it and do things for you, like click on buttons or activate something or whatever uh, that you cannot activate with your screen reader. I personally don't really like having to install team viewer on my computer because I don't ever use it except for the random occasion that I need Ira. Um, which is rare that I need them to do that. Uh, and also, also feel like I'm just opening up, you know, this giant hole in my firewall or whatever for somebody to hack me. Cause I'm not going to pay attention to team viewer cause I don't use it. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this to Michael that I needed to do a thing on a site that I was working on. And there was a button that was not accessible, uh, or that I couldn't see with the screen reader. And I was like, man, I guess I'm about to go install team viewer so I can get Ira to come in and, and help me, you know, finish this off or whatever. And Michael was like, well, you know, you can call Ira and tell them you need them to log into a thing for you and just send them the information and they can log in and then do what you're asking them to do. <laughs> I was like, really? Man, this changed my whole freaking life, dude. I went to WordPress and created a temporary <laughs> user for Ira. And then I called up Ira and this nice lady answered the phone. And I was like, hello, how are you doing today? I need for you. So a friend of mine told me that you can do this. Can you do this? And she said, sure. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to email you this information because, you know, the password is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then she opens up the email. Oh, yeah, that password is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Generated with one short. password. <laughs> Uh, so actually it was just a, ah, the, the, the uh, WordPress, the WordPress yeah, generated yeah, password. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they've actually gotten much better. They, they've gotten much better. <laughs> yes, they have. Uh, so, you know, long story short, she logs in and I just walked her through exactly what I needed her to do. Cause I had already went through the steps like, okay, follow these steps, click this link, click here, you know, go to this form, do this, do this. And then now you're on this screen. Okay. I need you to click the add button for me like eight times. You know what? Click it one more time just in case. All right. Hit save. Uh, and then we were done. Right. And, you know, problem solved. Uh, super simple, a whole lot less tedious for me with Team Viewer and all of that crap right there. Uh, there are times where having Team Viewer installed probably is useful for people. And if you make use of that functionality quite a bit, then it is definitely worth doing it. Uh, for me, my usage of Ira for things like that is very, very rare. And it is like, you know, maybe once, twice a quarter mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. when I'm likely to do that. Uh, and that's only after I probably exhausted trying to click on buttons because I'm old. So mm-hmm. I sometimes forget the Ira's even the thing that I can call upon uh, for assistance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I so, know yeah. Ira is working on their own app that you can use on Windows and on Mac. And then you'll have your own folder. You could put login information in and, and, and it stays secure between you and the Ira agent. So then you don't have to email those details and, and have that potential issue if you want to get super tinfoily haddish and so keep an eye out for that because that should be coming in sometime this year i believe so uh yeah that's a great tip and sometimes you can spend six minutes on the phone with an ira agent 
or two days trying to figure out how to click the button that you can't <laughs> click with your screen reader. So uh, realize that in some instances. And on that note, show notes and more information can be found at yourownpay.com slash DM87. He's on Twitter at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. I'm on Twitter at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N. And since he can always remember it and I always forget about it, the show's on Twitter. At the DM series. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.